Series World Championship with the British Grand Prix this weekend at Silverstone. It's one of my favorite circuits of the year. Max Verstappen, Red Bull on a roll. They have won the last six races. Verstappen taking five checkered flags during that stretch and six on the season. There's a lot to unpack for this weekend, and we will try to get to all of it here on the Overtake F1 podcast. We'll go over the five things to watch out for for the British Grand Prix. We'll discuss the circuit at Silverstone in our Track Talk segment. And we'll also have top five and bottom five from Canada. Plus, we'll talk about the comment that three-time champion Nelson Piquet made about Lewis Hamilton. First, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review if you like what we're doing. I'm Tony Desiri. Glad you could join us as we go through the British Grand Prix coming up this weekend. You can also find me on Twitter at Tony D Radio. We also have a Facebook page, the Overtake F1 Podcast. You can like us there. Leave some comments. We certainly do appreciate it. And I thank you for your support if you've been a longtime listener of this podcast. All right, let's get to the five things to watch out for for this weekend at Silverstone, the British Grand Prix. And the first one on the list, can anyone break the Red Bull streak? But better question, can Ferrari break the Red Bull streak? They are the best candidate to do so. The Scuderia should have won in Spain. They should have won in Monaco. Now, they did have pole position in Azerbaijan, but I, I don't feel they would have won there because even if they didn't break down, I think that there was, you know, Sergio Perez had gotten the lead right away from Charles Leclerc. Red Bull had great straight line speed. So I don't think they would have won there, but nevertheless, it's been a tough runaround for the Ferrari team over the last few Grand Prix. Leclerc did get an engine upgrade in Canada. He was able to get a P5 finish from the back of the pack. The real story in Montreal, however, was how good Carlos Sainz was in trying to track down Max Verstappen over the final 15 laps. And while he never got close enough for the overtake, he certainly had the machine right there. Now, does this mean that Ferrari is starting to get back to where they were at the beginning of the season? Remember that Leclerc almost won at Silverstone last year in a lesser car. Certainly it helped that Verstappen was out of the race and Hamilton had a 10-second penalty, but... A better car might be at this racetrack what they need to end the incredible six-win run of Red Bull Racing. Second, the Mercedes dynamic duo. This was going to be a special weekend for the Silver Arrows because both Lewis Hamilton, George Russell will be racing in front of the home crowd. It should be awesome to see the reaction of both of those drivers from the crowd at Silverstone. And again, it's one of my favorite races because I really like the circuit and I do love the atmosphere. But watching Mercedes this weekend is going to be more than just the crowd cheering the two local drivers, albeit one is a seven-time world champion and the defending champ. Mercedes is starting to figure out the 2020. Car. Hamilton was on the podium in Canada. George Russell, he's been the most consistent driver on the grid this season, and even said he felt like the car had pace to be up there with Red Bull and Ferrari. Silverstone has been Hamilton's territory since he won his first British Grand Prix in 2008. He has eight victories. He has taken the checkered flag in seven of the eight British Grand Prix. Now, one more issue to watch out for as far as, for, as Mercedes is concerned, and that is Hamilton's stance against the FIA on its jewelry ban. Now, Hamilton has refused to take out a nose piercing, and he must do so for this race. The FIA allowed him a few races to comply with the rule of no jewelry, but Hamilton is taking a stand against this. There was an exemption, but that runs out this weekend. Now, could he actually be banned from this race for defying this rule? There is no threat coming right now from the FIA publicly, but just kind of watch how this story grows going into the weekend. All right, number three, what's going on with Haas? Now, being a Haas fan is really tough. As the American-based team, I have plenty of friends who are brand new to Formula One that have really jumped on this fandom. Some last year when the team was terrible, but they were looking ahead to 2022. That's a commitment. But then when Kevin Magnussen got back in the seat, they really started promisingly. Their car wowed at preseason testing, came back finishing fifth in Bahrain. 
However, the good times didn't last very long. Problems started to come at Haas. Mick Schubacher has had two giant crashes this season, costing the team a million bucks per crash, not good in a cost cap run, and qualifying efforts like Canada, where both drivers were in Q3, didn't result in any points. Magnussen has not had any points since Imola, and he's gone the last five without any. Schumacher has yet to land a point in his Formula One career. Again, this was a promising start for this team, who put a lot of effort into developing the 2022 car last season at the expense of the 2021 year. Had two rookie drivers, finished dead last. It was okay, because we knew that 2022 could be promising for the Haas team. And boy, did it ever, but it has really stalled out. So what's exactly going on with Haas? And can Silverstone be a turnaround where they get some points back on the board? All right, number four, Max Verstappen. Hear me out a little bit, because the top question I have going into this Grand Prix this weekend is, can he theoretically wrap this up with a big win on Sunday? All right, now I know there's a lot of races remaining, and we saw last year that a big lead can disappear pretty quickly. You have a couple of DNFs, your rival has a couple of victories, and poof, it's gone. But Verstappen is heading into this weekend. He's leading Sergio Perez by 46 points and he leads Charles Leclerc by 49. Now you don't need me to tell you that's a lot of points. Now he had a 32 point lead heading into Silverstone last year, had all the momentum. He won in France. He won both races in Austria. And then they made the stop in Great Britain. And like this year, he's the driver to beat. Hamilton and Mercedes, if you remember, were searching for answers, trying to figure out how they could get back into the championship. And they got that answer when Hamilton and Verstappen collided at Cop's Corner. Verstappen went into the barrier, out of the race. Hamilton got penalized, but it went on to win. And that lead was down to eight when they left Great Britain. Now, if he wins on Sunday, he'll have a lead of over 50 points. Now, I know that's two DNFs, two rival wins that could disappear. But in reality, that's not even taking into account the other races where he'll likely not suffer any mechanical issues and will probably win. So can Ferrari put up a charge like Hamilton did last year to make the stretch run one of the more interesting and talked about battles in the sports history? A win by Verstappen at Silverstone on Sunday may make it really, really difficult for anybody else to make this a battle going forward. The fifth thing, and that is the atmosphere. There are certain stops in sports that have just a different feeling around them when you're talking about a sport that kind of tours, like think about golf and tennis and other motorsports. The British Grand Prix has all of this. The passion for Formula One can be felt around the world when the traveling show goes and fans go crazy. Even here in the United States where I am, the sport is growing and so much that it started to make news even during football season last October in Austin. But I have a real love for what's going to go down at Silverstone during the British Grand Prix. It's where the sport started in 1950. Last year, we saw capacity crowd coming back from COVID. It's no doubt that British drivers feed off that like other drivers feed off of their home country crowds. Hamilton was so emotional last year when he won that Grand Prix. He was criticized by Red Bull because he was celebrating with the British flag while Verstappen was in the hospital after that crash at Cops. But he's not the only one. With most of the teams based in the UK, it's a home race for many team members outside of the drivers. We're talking everybody in the, on the team, from mechanics to PR people to engineers. It's a home race for a lot of these individuals that make their career in Formula One. Fans there, super knowledgeable, love the sport. I say this as a true-blooded American. I love the British Grand Prix. It's my favorite weekend, probably outside of Austin. I got to give it a little bit of hometown love, but the British Grand Prix is is just electric. It's electric, electric weekend. 
All right, so those are the five things to watch out for for the British Grand Prix coming up this weekend. So let's talk about Silverstone. If you're new to Formula One, I'm going to go over the track real quick. And if you aren't new to Formula One and you're still enjoying this podcast, just bear with me while I get the everybody else up to speed. It launched Formula One back in 1950. Like a lot of circuits, gone through multiple changes over the years. It is the home of British motor racing. And if I had to choose the one track that I like above the rest, this would be the one. I love the different aspects of this circuit. So there are three straights. There's the Wellington, the Hangar, and the newly named Hamilton Straight. And this is where the start-finish line is located. 18 corners on this track. First one, Abbey, flat-out right-hander. And turn five is when they head down the Wellington Straight. That's the first DRS zone of the track. Going into Brooklyn's, tight left-hander into turn six. Turn nine is Cops, the famous Cops Corner, we saw the tangle with Hamilton and Verstappen there last year. That is a great corner, flat out to the right. And then they hit the combination of Maggots, Beckett's, and Chapel, and then on to the hangar straight. It's the second DRS zone. Stowe is at turn 15 to the right. Vale is the tight left-hander at turn 16. And then the final turn, the club corner, that will take you to the Hamilton straight and then down to the line. Pirelli bringing their hardest tires to the Grand Prix. C1 for the hard, C2 for the medium, C3 for the softs. Only three drivers on the current grid have won the British Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton has eight victories. Sebastian Vettel has won there twice. Fernando Alonso has won there twice. Now, Max Verstappen is never won the British Grand Prix, and if you're kind of new to the sport, you might remember him winning at Silverstone back in 2020, but that was the special 70th anniversary Grand Prix when they were making the schedule, kind of makeshift schedule because of COVID-19. They had this 70th anniversary Grand Prix at the track. It was their second run at Silverstone, and that's the one you remember Max Verstappen winning, but he has never won the British Grand Prix. Last year, of course, extremely controversial. Both of those drivers came in. They were one and two in the standings. Verstappen Stappen had a lead going into Cops Corner. They tangled up with Hamilton. He went into the, the barrier. Hamilton was penalized 10 seconds when he went into the pit stop, came out. Charles Leclerc was leading the race, but it was just a matter of time before Hamilton tracked him down, which he did and ended up winning the race while Leclerc settled for a P2. All right, so there you have it with our Track Talk segment. All right, now let's get to top five and bottom five from the Canadian Grand Prix in Montreal. Now, with this, again, we start with the bottom five. We'll go to the top five. And as I've said many times, if you're new to the podcast, it the the top five and bottom five can be any category. It can be drivers. It can be teams. It can be the circuit. It can be FIA. It can be anybody. It's just something that made news or something that stuck out of the Grand Prix. So let's get to the bottom five. We'll start with five all the way to number one. And number five, Yuki Tsunoda. Now, he was looking good for a while in Montreal, making his way through the field after taking a grid penalty that put him in the back of the pack at the start of the race. But all of his great progress was done in after he took some tires. They were cold. He crashed on the exit, and that brought out the safety car. Maybe I should have kept him out of the bottom five because that crash did bring out the safety car, which made the race more exciting. But in the end, Yuki Tsunoda was having a pretty good run, doing a really good job. But because his tires weren't warmed up, boom, he came crashing into the wall off the exit exit and that was his race was complete so Yuki Tsunoda some good mostly bad five on the bottom five number four Haas as I mentioned previously it was a great Saturday for the team with both Mick Schumacher and Kevin Magnuson in Q3 and starting in the top 10 
as I said, I got a lot of new American Formula One fan friends who love Haas and were really excited about what they could do on Sunday. However, neither driver finished in the points. Schumacher had to retire after 18 laps. K-Mag was the last driver to finish all 70 around Montreal, and he needed to come in early after a black-orange flag for nose damage and just never was able to get quite back in, up there, uh, up on the grid. Uh, number three, Pierre Gasly. This one is not really on him. He finished 14th and just could not be aggressive enough due to some problems that he had with the car. He made an early pit stop and he could not make any moves. That kept him out of the points. However, there's a bit of good news for Pierre Gasly. He'll be back with AlphaTauri for the 2023 season. So that is good. Although I do expect him to be off that team, moving on to bigger and better teams down the road. All right. Number two, Sergio Perez. Now, Perez is currently number two in the world championship standings and was coming off a P2 in Baku, but his weekend in Montreal was somewhat forgettable. He crashed during qualifying on Saturday, then on Sunday he had a gearbox problem and they had to retire. It wasn't that long ago he was being talked about as a championship contender after his win in Monte Carlo, but after even after a P2 in Azerbaijan, it doesn't look like he's going to make a serious run at Max Verstappen, his teammate, and he's 46 points down as of the moment. But the number one bottom five from Canada, I hate doing this, but I have to. It's Fernando Alonso. Sadly, and it pains me, because like many of you, his qualifying run on Saturday was absolutely epic. It was so fun. I was so excited. I know many people around the world are really excited. What can Fernando Alonso do? P2 on the grid in Montreal right behind Max Verstappen. Could he take it to Max right at lights out? It, it didn't materialize. He couldn't jump ahead of Verstappen at the start. And by the way, I really didn't think he could, but nevertheless, it was still exciting to think he could. Uh, he ended up getting passed by Carlos Sainz and Lewis Hamilton. And then to make matters worse, because movement under braking, he had a five-second penalty, and that dropped him down to P9 when it was all said and done. Very disappointing. And you know what? I think even he would admit it. He expected a lot more. He didn't get it. He did say there was some things wrong with the car, but nevertheless, when you start P2, he probably should finish in the top five, and he didn't do that. P9 with the five-second penalty. He was getting help from Esteban Ocon. He was, Esteban Ocon ahead of him was trying to keep him in DRS, being able to use DRS to hold off Valtteri Bottas, but it wasn't for, it was all for nothing as the penalty put him down into P9. Still, still was in the points, but nevertheless could have been a lot better. So that means we got to go to the top five and five through number one. Let's go with five. It's Lewis Hamilton. For the first time since Bahrain, the season opener, Hamilton was on the podium, finishing P3. He beat his teammate George Russell right behind him in P4. But for Hamilton, this has been kind of a rough season. It's starting to look like he's getting a good feel for the car, despite some of its problems. So it's a little weird to give Hamilton a big thumbs up for finishing P3, given that he was always the guy that would win races or finish P2. But you know what? Good for him. The season looks like it's starting to turn around a little bit. All right, number two, Charles Leclerc. Remember Austria last year? Leclerc suffered an early puncture, and then he made his way through the field, had like 11 overtakes, was like driver of the day. Same thing in Montreal. Now, this time it was an engine upgrade that put him in the back of the pack, but then he started picking off drivers ahead of him, and he turned a last place start into a P5 finish, also driver of the day in Montreal. And by the way, in a for a big picture, Ferrari really needed a good pick-me-up because they had a double DQ in Azerbaijan, and they got that pick-me-up because, number three, Carlos Sainz finished second. He was pressing Max Verstappen for the lead. He just didn't have the edge to get him. Just didn't have quite enough. But he showed good pace. And yes, he did benefit from a late safety car that bunched it up a little bit. 
but it still was a great outcome for Ferrari after a number of disappointing runs. They got to feel good, especially when you look at, at Charles Leclerc. That was what they call limiting the damage, and he limited the damage. Got a P5 out of that, got points. Carlos signs with a P2. Yes, Red Bull won the race, but in the end, a good run for both drivers given the circumstances. Number two, Max Verstappen. Easy one, I know, but it was a solid win for Max, who started from pole in the rain and then had to hold off signs of the final 10 laps of the Grand Prix on Sunday. He extended his lead, and he showed why those early troubles are a massive thing of the past. He goes to Silverstone with the bigger lead than he had last season, but he doesn't have the monster rival that's sort of nipping at his heels. He is the monster. That's the way Red Bull is right now. He is the monster. All right, number one in our top five. I know it's sentimental, but it's Canada. I've done this for other Grand Prix stops that have disappeared on the calendar because of COVID and then came back and had a return. And Canada is no exception here. They have not had a Grand Prix since 2019, and it was good to have Montreal back on the calendar. They love their drivers, Lance Stroll, Nicholas Latifi. They showed up in force after three years off. And here in America, where I live, it got network TV coverage on ABC. You get network TV coverage on ABC, it's a big deal. And it was a good battle. It was a good race. Carlos Sainz and Max Verstappen taking it all the way down to the final lap. That's what you want in the Grand Prix return to Montreal. And they delivered, the sport delivered, and the crowd responded. And so, you know what? Oh, Canada, you did a great job. Congratulations. It's good to have you back. So the number one top five, is the country of Canada. All right, so that's our top five and bottom five from the Canadian Grand Prix. And now let's get to one more thing. Three-time champion Nelson Piquet used a racial slur when he was talking about Lewis Hamilton on a Brazilian podcast. The slur was made in Portuguese. The context was pretty terrible. The podcast was from last November. It discussed the crash between Hamilton and Max Verstappen at last year's British Grand Prix. And as many of you know, his daughter Kelly is Verstappen's girlfriend. F1 teams, drivers, personnel all condemned this language and issued statements supporting Hamilton. Now, PK has had his paddock pass revoked, and he said that the term that he used is a synonym for person or guy, and that he had never intended to offend Hamilton or anybody else. He also said he never would have used the word in the context that he is being accused of. So this is basically, I'm sorry if it sounded racist, but I'm not a racist. However, the apology is ringing a bit hollow. The term he used in Portuguese is considered a racial slur by many black people in Brazil, and it's mostly used as a derogatory reference to race. Now, he made the mistake by apologizing and then saying the famous, yes, but. That's usually a killer when it comes to apologies. Now, Hamilton has had to deal with this his entire life. Many of you have followed Formula One for years knows that his struggle with sort of racist thoughts all through karting into Formula One. No matter how you feel about Hamilton and some of his political stances and beliefs, he's a true champion of the sport and he does fight for what he believes in. Again, you can disagree with him on things that he stands for, but he is using his podium to stand for something. We criticize athletes here in America for not doing that. We want them to use their platforms for things like that. Even if we disagree with them, we want to see them use their fame and their notoriety to bring up certain issues. Hamilton does do that, things he believes in. And again, you can disagree with those beliefs, but he is not in the shadows of a political fight. So naturally, his critics are going to come. And because, again, he wins a lot, there's going to be some detractors. Now, for Nelson Piquet to make these comments... Yes, he's got a better relationship than Max Verstappen, again, through the relationship that he has through his daughter, Kelly. 
But this kind of language should be condemned and it was rightfully condemned. And I'm glad Formula One revoked his paddock pass. He is a three-time champion. I hope this isn't the end of his relationship with Formula One because I do hope he sits down with Lewis Hamilton and really, really apologizes and doesn't use the yeah, but and sort of excuse it on the back end. You kind of know what I'm talking about. He needs to have some real contritement here. He really needs to go to Hamilton and say to him, I am really, really sorry about this and, and see where the relationship can go. But it was good to see drivers, teams, media, fans coming to defend Hamilton to show their support. Keep Nelson PK out for a considerable amount of time in Formula One. It is my hope, though, that he does reach out with a real apology to Hamilton if he hasn't already. And I do hope that, that we can mend some fences. But the reality of it is it was disgusting. It should not have been said. I think he even admits it should not have been said. But the fact that it was, there should be some backlash. And I'm glad everyone in Formula One, from the teams and drivers all the way down to fans, have saw this for what it is. All right, so that's our preview of the British Grand Prix, which will be coming up this weekend at Silverstone. It's one of my favorite races of the year. I am so glad you were able to join us here on the Overtake F1 podcast. Again, follow me on Twitter at Tony D Radio. You can reach me there. You can also hit us up on Facebook, the Overtake F1 podcast. If you like what you hear, please, please subscribe, share the podcast, help us grow it. Uh, we really have been happy with the way this thing has been taking off over the last year and a half. Again, as an American broadcaster, I really love doing Formula One podcasts. I have a radio show where I talk about all sorts of different sports. Rarely do I get an avenue to really discuss Formula One, and this is my avenue to do that. All right, so look for next week a review of the British Grand Prix, and then we will also next week have a preview of the race coming up in Austria. I'm Tony Desiri. Thanks for listening, and this is the Overtake F1 Podcast.